Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. Welcome to episode 29, last episode of season one. Yay! It's one step closer to the end of this series. <laughs> and so I must say some of us are more excited about it than others. And for wildly varying reasons. So true. So I am your host, Green, joined as ever by the fabulous Kim. Hello. And the perfectly adequate Ari. Hello. And we are here to do Discuss episode 29, Operation Feelings! Exclamation point. Yes! That's exactly it. Yes. I, I really struggled with uh, my own title for this one because I'm like, what, what was this episode about? It was about feelings! Basically, yes. It was about feelings. Not so much the feelings that one may have for, let's say, a brother who tragically passes away. <laughs> oh, no, no. Not for him at all. No. But feelings for your BFF. Yeah. Best friend forever. Oh. That's yeah. what that stands okay. for. It's to detonate or differentiate it from your BF, which is your boyfriend. But in this case, I don't think there's much difference. BVFF, best Vulcan friend forever. Okay, but what is what is his actual designation? He's number two or number He's the one? first officer. Best first. BFO, first best <laughs> officer. Best first officer. I like that. I like that. This episode is actually called Operation Annihilate? Yeah. No, no question mark. It's annihilate! <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> That's true. Mine had a question mark behind it. It is Operation Annihilate! Um, which is only the second episode in all of Star Trek canon to have an exclamation point at yes, the end of it. One of two. The other one is Bride of Chaotica! Which is actually not one of my favorite episodes. Is it a Voyager episode? It is yeah. Voyager what, what episode. is it about? That's the uh, one where with the holodeck and the sort of. It's, um, it's the full episode of Tom Paris's. Um, like radio old, drama, old radio drama, in old space. Tom Paris runs for a while a, sp- a holodeck program where he plays like a old timey like radio version of a space hero, and like Flash Gordon kind of thing. Yeah, and they've got and like they've got like a tin robot with flaily arms, and, and they all go like, in and play se- parts. And there's a secretary in like a white cu- low cut white dress who spends all of her time like tied up to stuff screaming. Yeah, and one time, I think this was a, uh, the holodeck takes over the ship sort of situation kind of thing, and Janeway ends up having to play Arachnia, Queen of the Spider People, and she's amazing. Yes. I know, so Chaotica, Chaotica is, like, the main bad guy, and he, like, really wants to marry Arachnia. It's, it's, other than Janeway being badass, it's not very good. But that's really enough for most people. So Operation Annihilate! Exclamation point is a glorious banana split mess of an episode, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, less of a mess than, say, the alternative factor, but that's pretty high on the scale of mess. Part of me, looking back on the experience, really does enjoy the alternative factor in the same part of me that enjoys Operation Annihilate, which is... A giant soupy mess of an episode. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Hey! Ooh. Like, 
more than most episodes, but not as much as the greatest episodes that I've enjoyed. So, so what did you enjoy about this episode, Kim? The feelings. <laughs> I was like halfway through and I was like, I- I- I'm not mad at Kirk. He ha- he hasn't made any bad decisions. He's just having feelings everywhere. I think I like this. <laughs> it is strange, but also good. Yeah, there's so... So this, yeah, this is your season finale. Yeah. This is what they chose to end end on. on. Yeah. Which is a bold decision to Now, did they choose or was this a airing order versus filming order thing? No, I don't think so. I think this is essentially what they had left in the can, and... It's just, if I had had a choice between making this episode the season finale and the previous episode, City on the the Edge of Forever, be the finale, I would have picked... City on the Edge of Forever. I know we've had this discussion before, like, two days ago, that (laughs) I don't know if City on the Edge of Forever feels like the most Star Trek episode for me, and I think for, at that time, for that audience, this felt better. Like, it's more sci-fi. It's more they're actually on the Enterprise. Yeah. You end with kind of a high note about their relationship. They use the word satellites a bunch of they times. Use, they have a lot of satellites mm-hmm. that only, apparently, can you see in the non-digitally remastered version of it. Yeah. Kim, did you see any satellites? No, there were no satellites. No, you and you also see didn't see the ship. The, uh, the ship that was flying into the sun. You just saw the sun. Oh, they didn't... Oh, no, there was no, no, they ship. just talked to them. It's the I same thing they do every time there's a, there's a ship. Don't show it. Except for very few times. Bless um, their hearts. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this really is an episode about feelings, about Kirk's feelings for Spock, and Spock's feelings about humanity, and McCoy's feelings about Spock, and it's a big feeling suit. Can I say that I'm absolutely shocked that we got through this entire episode, including that last scene in the sickbay without Spock pulling out the good of the many line? I think that they were really leading up to that <laughs> in a very slow three seasons plus three animated seasons uh, build up to that. And I think the most shocking part about this is that Kirk has a tragically dead brother. Yeah, that was really odd. Weird. We I don't think we've ever heard about him before. And no. he, they literally showed him, he showed up long enough to die without any lines. This is the only time in canon where we actually even address him directly, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in a lot of books. Um, but, yeah. He's on screen once, and at the time, he's It's just his corpse. Does he even get any lines? No, he's a corpse. He's just dead. He doesn't get any lines. Weird mustache. Kirk's sister-in-law has the most lines of his entire, you know, his brother's entire family. The nephew is unconscious the entire time. So there was a deleted scene between Kirk and the The boy. The boy. Um, I think they were on the bridge of the ship, and they were talking about what Peter's going to do with his future, and he decided to stay on the planet and live with his father's partner, which I had to read twice, and I was like, oh yeah, his science partner. Ah. Ah. We got there eventually. And yeah, it is so, like, all of this feels like a bizarro mishmash of stuff, and there are a lot of different things leading up to the plot. So the original pitch had them actually leaving this planet and traveling to go find the great pulsating brain that is the source for all these weird organisms. Giant space brain. Mm. Giant space brain. And then there was another different, another kind of um, version of it where Aurelia, who in this version is his sister-in-law, 
she was actually, I think, like, married to the scientist who runs into the sun, or her father and her were trying to figure it out. Like, she wasn't a relation. She was actually, like, within the plot trying to figure out, like, what these things are and how to stop them. So, but there's a lot of things that happen and are presented and then just... Vanish. They just drop, like, a weird single-celled organism... Onto the ground of the UCLA campus. Murder pancakes. So I went, they look like flayed frogs. Actually, I think probably what they look most like is jellyfish. I thought they looked like really disgusting fried eggs. Sun-dried jellyfish. Fried eggs? They were flat with a goopy bit in the middle. I'm pretty sure if you flayed a frog, it would look exactly like that. They were not appealing in any way. No, they were. They did a really good job of making them genuinely revolting. They were gross. It's like if you accidentally like sneezed and a little bit of your brain came out. A little bit, like a great glob of it. That is disgusting. You're welcome. I don't make this up. It's there in front of me. I am simply describing it with words of my choosing. <laughs> yeah, and they are disgusting. They're gross. They move kind of funny. Um, I love the special effects on this. We we watched the digitally remastered version. Mm-hmm. And then we went back and, and then we went the back. Yes, and watched to see how it looked in the original, which looked amazing. Kim to corroborate. Which the the egg things are yeah. so gross and the yeah. non remastered. They didn't yeah. change they didn't change them, they just got higher resolution. Yeah. yeah. No. I love this episode <laughs> so much. Again, it's one of those simple logic puzzles with the weird interference of Kirk's family, which in fact is actually just incidental. Mm-hmm. Not important. That was the only bit that I really wasn't okay with was that Kirk's entire like the entire <laughs> adult part of his family was killed off. And it was just kind of like, okay, that's sad. It was such a weird addition in like, this episode. Why do you no, add, not necessary. I don't know why you bring in something so potentially emotionally weighty and then barely use it. But that's classic television. Oh, yeah, didn't I tell you? I had a sister who has some kind of tragic illness. And know, we're going to see for one episode. so glaring in this case. It's one of my pet peeves in television, especially when you get it in episodic television, is the one episode item. So you'll have a character tick or a trait or a family member or a story that only appears in one episode. And even though it could affect the entire episode and it seems like this big emotional thing, that's it. That's all you get about it. And it's never brought up again. And it is one of my least favorite devices in mm. in storytelling um there's a really a couple of notice notable ones for me in uh, queer as folk where there's a character who's who's like oh i'm thinking of getting my hair cut and everyone around is like what's wrong every time you something's wrong you want to get your hair cut never brought up again and then there's another character who does like a thing where she wipes at her nose and she it, she she does this a couple of times and her her son in the in the episode goes you always do that when you're worried we never see it again and it's it's those things that just drive me up the wall well, all of the the discussion of like Kirk's relationship with his brother it's all front loaded at the very beginning of the episode before they get to the planet it's like oh well your brother lives in this planet right yeah yeah he does i haven't talked to him in years i, I the only reason i can think of why they put this in is that it further kind of brings home the fact that Kirk's home and his family is the ship. Mm-hmm. And that now he is in many ways an orphan, but he has the family of his ship. I didn't really get that. No, neither did I, but I'm really, reaching. really reaching here. And that's all I've got is that that's why he cares about the people on his ship 
more than your average captain does is that they are they are his family. That's all I got. That is all I got. <laughs> I spent like all night staring at the ceiling going, what the frick would you introduce him as his brother? It doesn't make any sense. Well, totally Also, at the beginning, it gives the rush to get there. It gives it some weight. Uh, yeah. And it gives, um, you're immediately invested in finding out what the hell's going on because it has resonance. It's like, if something happens to his brother, Kirk is going to be really hurt. So you don't, you want to find out what's going on. Except it really has no emotional impact on Kirk whatsoever. Well, than, I oh, mean, my brother it does. Here. It just doesn't really, like, seep out to inform the rest of the episode. I think you'd be well enough saying that there, this is the planet of a million people and no one is picking up the phone. Like, that kind of would put a little pep in my step. Yeah, because we start, basically, they're calling and no one's picking yeah, up. Yeah, what the hell is it? Deneha? Deneva. I Deneva? could not make it out. I called it Dagobah. It's Deneva. Thank you, Kim. It's Dagobah. It's Dagobah. It's, it's Deneva. So, no, it's Dagobah. They are trying to get a hold of Dagobah. They can't get a hold of it. So Kirk says to her, can you get a private transfer? Can I call this private number instead of the, like, the planetary Yes. Yeah. Weird. And apparently... They're in this area to investigate a pattern of, let's pause for a minute and think about this, mass insanity that's destroying civilizations. What? <laughs> what was the time timeline we got on Whoa. this? Okay, so 200 years ago on Lavinius 5, and then it's been kind of progressing, and then two years ago it was kind of near Dagobah. They have no idea what the cause of it is. There's been, like, no medical explanation for this. It's been going from planet to planet. Okay. I know I buy that in terms of, like, okay, so they thought it was a legend until two years ago, and then they tracked back. No, 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 Not legend. Fact. No, they're like, archaeologists have said this civilization was destroyed only 200 years ago. But, like, nobody caught the pattern until it happened two years ago instead of two centuries ago. I was like, oh, this is still a problem. But, okay, the thing that got me here is, like, did nobody invent autopsies two years ago? Like, surely you would notice the weird... Like, pale jellyfish entwined around the spinal cord. Yeah. I'm no medical doctor, <laughs> well, but... Well, if, if these were, like, sovereign planets, I mean, maybe their their civilizations just sort of imploded and no one could get near them, maybe. Like, maybe they weren't Federation worlds? I don't know. When everybody dies, I think anybody who wants can go onto the planet and <laughs> not loot, but investigate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what archaeology <laughs> is, Cam. <laughs> looting. It's fancy um, looting. Yes. So we have a very pretty rainbow-colored map demonstrating this, like, rolling yeah. mass insanity. Well, again, which in in and of itself is crazy because it's going from planet to planet, essentially in a line. And no one was like, huh, that seems odd. Yeah. Nope. So they are trying to get a hold of someone. They do catch someone. And it is a tiny little ship. Oh, yeah. And that ship is heading directly into the sun. Yes. We don't actually see the ship. You just get a shot of the sun. In the digitally remastered version, you they do put a see a little ship. speck on you top see of it. I think it was a nice little ship. Was it ship? an actual ship? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, in and the in the original version, if there is something there, you cannot see it. <laughs> so they are trying to hail this ship to tell them, "Hey, are you aware that you're going towards the sun?" <laughs> and the ship replies, "What?" And Kirk says, "Hey, Scotty, use the tractor beam." But too far away. Scotty eyeballs it. <laughs> I love refers that. Refers to no console. He is on the bridge, inexplicably. Just kind of takes a look and goes, 
too far. <laughs> I, I assumed that he had already checked before Kirk asked him. You would like to know. Then Scotty gives a lecture about you wouldn't want to get too close to the sun because you will explode and die. Uh, Fair. Reasonable. Yeah. Really? Exploding and die part? Yeah. Sun fact. <laughs> if you get too close to the sun, you will die. Yep. So Scotty gives that valuable knowledge, and so they decide to try and stop this ship, I don't even know what, manually? I don't know. They ch- they're, they're trying they're, to chase it down. They're trying to chase them down. They're trying to, like, get, hail them, and they're not answering. To the sun. I think they were trying to get close enough to use yeah. the tractor beam. Fine. I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. That is 100% fair. Okay. And they finally get a message from the ship, and it's someone raving. It's like, I've, I've, I've just got to get close enough. And then it's, I've done it. It's gone. About two seconds before the ship burns up. It says, I'm free. I'm free. Whee! That's boom. not ominous at all. And then boom. Yeah, well, and then Kirk's like, take us to get Dagobah. Oh, no, 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 no. We we should avoid Dagobah. <laughs> um, because that is where the mass insanity definitely is. Certainly seems like a sign. But this is where we find out before the, um, right before the credits, it's where we've got the Kirk's brother is on that planet. Dun, dun, dun! Mm-hmm. So, apparently on Dagobah, it's been colonized for a century, and... They give the background to this planet, which I found very interesting, that it was a part of a freighting line by an asteroid belt, and apparently Scotty has done this run a couple of times, which leads me to believe that Scotty has, like, a rough-and-tumble background and sexy asteroid manning, mining, and that he's done the castle run in 12 parsecs. Could be. He does talk about uh, working smaller ships, like, in the TNG episode, where where Scotty shows up, he talks about... Um, like how he ended up on the ship that crashed where they found him. Um, and he talks about working smaller ships as well as starships. Hmm. So, yeah, it's very possible. I would like to see the Scotty movie. Just putting it out there. Yes, please. Isn't James doing dead? Yes. Oh, Simon Pegg! Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's also supposed to be one of the most beautiful planets in the galaxy. And having seen it, I would strongly disagree with that. Strongly. Didn't like the architecture. Oh, no. It was very much 1960s university campus. (laughs) I was getting some, like, real severe Arthur Erickson feelings about that place. It was all, like, concrete and pillars and dips and endless staircases. Actually, it reminded me kind of of, like, the Kennedy Space Center. It It was actually filmed in the outdoor TRW Space and Defense Park in California. Reminds me of I was close. It reminds me of the AQ section of that SFU. Too. Yeah, certain parts for sure. Yeah, I googled. I could not find out if Arthur Erickson was the architect. He was not, but you should definitely check out the Los Angeles Times obituary of Arthur Erickson, which is very bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, uh, Dagobah has had no Federation contact for a year, which that should be worrying to them. Well, it probably took them a year to get here. Remember all these planets? It's on a shipping route! This is yeah. like, no, it was on a shipping route. This is like the fourth time we've come to like a planet that was like well colonized and they haven't had anybody come by for like a year because they're so far away. They should really set up some kind of system yeah, here. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, when planets are left to themselves for a year, they tend to just fall apart. Apparently, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kirk proceeds to be super mean to Uhura. Well, he's, he's getting very stressed out now because they no one is still still no one is picking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then somebody does, and it's a woman's voice, and it and he immediately he knows exactly who this is. Yeah, it's his sister in law, Orelin. 
Is that her name? That is her name. I wrote her on the pronunciation because it was really strange compared to the Aurelia? way it was spelled. Aurelia? Aurelian. Aurelia? I basically could not understand what they were saying. It it's was Aurelian. Just, it was just a mouthful of like ver- like. Syllables. It was spelled A-U-R-E-L-A-N, but it was pronounced Aurelian. Aurelia? No. Anyhow, she is raving and in Please a bit help of a panic. Us. Yeah. Bad thing is going so immediately Kirk decides to beam down himself. Whoa, 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 we need to talk about how awesome Ahura was. She shuts down Kirk's bitchiness to her well, he's immediately. Not being, he's not exactly being he's panicking at this point. Well, he was still a dick. Well sure. But And she shut him down and it was beautiful. I loved her so much right then. She just turns to him and very calmly says, I can't get the signal back, Captain. They shut it down on their end. And she's very firm with him and I loved it. I thought I read it more like a calming down a panicking person. Calmness. No, she was like, don't you dare yell at me about something I cannot control. Loved it. To each their own. They beam down to this planet where there should be millions of people and there is no one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Spock said they checked it with sensors, they see life signs, lots and lots of life signs, but very little activity. And this is a very familiar science fiction atmosphere. It's never good. But cheap. <laughs> yeah. So who is the the amazing human who beamed down with them because she was awesome? I think her name is Nicole. Okay. I don't think we get a last name in the actual episode itself. No. She was new and I liked her. Um, The one thing, I'm very sad that Yeoman Rand is gone. Yes. But a smaller part of me also enjoys the revolving door of Yeomans that we get. Yes. <laughs> Each one of them more charming than the last. Yeah. So they beam down to essentially what is SFU, but not SFU, but is SFU. It's yeah. 100% in the university it, campus. We all twinked this. It had like, on SF, it had all the, say, all the hallmarks of SFU. It had staircases going down grassy embankments and yeah. layered, layered is, grass banks and yeah. stupid amount of public art. But it is in Concrete fact, everywhere. Is UCLA? So much modern art. So the actual grounds are uh, the defense park, mm-hmm. and then there is his brother's building is UCLA. Okay. Yeah. There's actually a lens flare at this point, which I just need to interject in. <laughs> I did not notice the lens <laughs> yes. flare. Yes. And that everyone looks really good when they're outside. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. This building is tragically ugly. I did not even notice that. Kirk's like, there's more than a million people on this planet. There's a hundred thousand in this city alone. Where is everyone? And they're in the buildings. He sees his brother's lab and is about to go investigate when some amazing jumpsuits Here comes jump a mob! Out. Waving space It was a very tubes. small mob. A yeah. mob of like four people. And they have plastic tubes. Space, space tubes. tubes. Space tubes. And they are saying, go back, we don't want to kill you. Yeah. And yet running at them screaming yes. and waving clubs. Uh, yes. And they are phasered. Stunned. And McCoy goes over and says that their their nervous systems are, like, on fire. They yeah. should be knocked out and kind of dozing nicely. Yeah, but, but he says it's as though they're being violently stimulated, even though they're <laughs> unconscious. Yes. So and then they, they hear a scream. Yes. They go and they find Aurelia. Aurelian. Not gonna hear Aurelia you. is a completely different name. If we're on Dagobah, we can have Aurelia. <laughs> we are not on Dagobah. Aurelia on Dagobah is screaming, yep. they're here, they're here. She is worrying, I'm going to say one of my least favorite ep- outfits. Do you know what? It looked, Aurelian's, Aurelian's clothes look very similar to like later civilian Starfleet stuff. Like the, the weird overalls and those boots that every single civilian on the Enterprise D wears. The little ankle boots? Yeah. 
the little sludgy ankle boots. I did like her rainbow sleeves, though. Oh, no, Kim. She is wearing a puke green jumpsuit with 60 sleeves. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of a different outfit. I'm thinking of her um, tragically lying in bed outfit, which was yellow with rainbow sleeves. It's the same one. Green is viewing it as puke green. I agree with Kim. Oh, my God. I liked her outfit. Do we have our own dress situation? We have a dress situation. Yellow. Pause it. No. Pause. I think- Pause. Anyway, that's definitely yellow. It's like what my mother would call baby shit yellow. <laughs> it's yellowy green. She only has one outfit anyway. Well, that's um, because she's there to scream and then tragically die. Yeah. Well, she she gets to give some exposition. She too. does. Yeah, she does info dump on us. Yeah. Yes. Um. So Bones sedates her because she's freaking out. They run in and she's trying to block a hole in the wall and screaming. Bones sedates her. Um. And then they look around and well, here's uh, let's introduce us to Kirk's brother Sam. Ooh, he's dead. He's and that's his entire presence in the episode. Did we see his face or was it just no, no, we oh, did. Shatner with a mustache? No, we saw his face. We, yeah, he does have a mustache, though. He rolled. Did he see a mustache? I didn't see any mustache. I did not see I'm a mustache. I'm pretty sure he had a mustache. I'm pretty sure, no. They rolled him over and he was blonde with a mustache. I didn't see a mustache. Yeah, he I, was blonde. I Pause. Thought, but it doesn't matter, Kim, because he's dead. So, Spock is quite nice in this moment. He goes over to Kirk mm-hmm. and he starts to say, I understand how you, and I think he's going to say, feel. Yeah. Which is quite an amazing admission for a Vulcan. I think he's been practicing. Yeah. In front of Amir. Yes. I know how you... Ugh, and he's got like a feel. mental bullet point list. In this situation, a human would say... No, don't be that mean to Spock. Like, he has feelings, he just doesn't experience them, so I think it's totally fine for Well, that for means, to though, be... that, that empathy would be something he would actually have to work at deliberately. Well, um, Vulcan children aren't born with the capacity no, to just be completely But if it's something you're not in the habit of doing, it is something you would have to remind yourself to do. And no, I think it comes out of a real, genuine expression of for... sorrow for his friend. Yes, his friend has just had his brother die. But his brother did have a tragically ugly mustache. So <laughs> the mustache was pretty. Does that mitigate the loss? Maybe for that. Such a ginger child, too. Oh yeah. How did he, a ginger child come out of those two people? He can't have done. Ooh. Well, in any case. <laughs> any case, that unconscious. That child is not a true Kirk. Also, in this episode, I really started to think about how Kirk is like a really weird last name. <laughs> like Peter Kirk, Sam Kirk, Aurelia Kirk. Maybe they were maybe they're, you know, whatever. Great, 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 great ancestor took the Kirks. Took care of churches in Scotland. It's actually not that unusual a name. Have I you mean, ever met I've someone never with the last met name Kirk? In my life met somebody with the last name no. Kirk. I, I actually knew two at uh, in first year in university. You were in the Scottish part of Nova Scotia. That's what I'm saying. It's not an unusual He's Scottish name. He's from Idaho. That's why I'm saying yes, maybe one of his now. great, great, greats was worked as a church keeper in, uh, in Scotland. Mm, mm, mm. So... They look to the ventilation shaft, because that's where you should look for everything. And apparently she was trying to keep something from the outside from getting in. Kirk stands up heroically with a stoic expression on his handsome mug and says, I want answers. And what answers? But kettle drums. (laughs) Now you know it is business time. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, side note, her hair is enormous. So big. Full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Which they try to suss out. Yes, Unfortunately, they, they keep asking her, instead of like patting down her head. So she's in extreme pain. They're up in the medical bay and she is taking all the tranquilizer. Mm-hmm. And Kim, actually, I would like to show this to you and there'll be a picture on this. 
The very first note right there. Her hair is huge. <laughs> Mine. Her hair is enormous. <laughs> I like when we both capitalized our words. That is fair. So Kirk is giving his bedside manner in only the way he can. So he's like, Sam is dead. I'm okay with this, I guess. And she kind of gives us, she info dumps the backstory. Is mm-hmm. They came eight months ago. Horrible things. The visitors brought them from another planet. It wasn't their fault. She spends ages trying to say it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. Who cares? They're probably all dead. Well, probably because they're all being forced to do things against their will, too, and she kind of feels that. Yeah, so the things control people, and she does some really excellent A-plus screaming. Oh, she does. She's actually quite good. Yes, and Kirk keeps saying, it's important that you tell us what kind of things, which is one of my favorite (laughs) lines of- things? No. What kind of things? Because things could mean anything. It could mean spoons. It could mean aliens. It could mean blocks. Could mean feelings. The bad feelings came, and they possessed everybody. That would be really sad. Uh, She starts screaming again because this whole time she's been in almost impossible levels of pain, and the sedatives aren't really doing very much. But she's screaming and screaming. So Chapel comes in and brings yet more sedative. Chapel, Chapel! her hair is small. Yes, for Chapel. Yes, very happy to see her though. She was great in this episode. It was nice to see her in an episode, and of course, it's nice to have a reoccurring guest star who is a lady, especially Mm -hmm. one who is a professional lady, but unfortunately is treated very unprofessionally. In her entire run on the series. Yeah. She has a giant chapel hair-sized crush on Spock. Oh, yeah. And that b- bothers me so much. Uh, yeah. I think the way her crush is written bothers me more than her having the crush. Which I understand. Like, I guess he's the tallest guy on the Enterprise. <laughs> like, if you're into that kind of thing. If you like climbing people like trees. Yes. Unless you want, like, a real tall strong too. maple tree, like Kirk. No. Kareem. Mac. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Bones observes that answering questions causes her pain, which is important later. And important now. So she says that they are forcing them to build ships, and that they're going to take these ships and go any further, and then she did. Mm. And I have to say, that is a hell of a death scene. Yeah. yeah. She delivers. She, like, screams and rides, and then she's dead. And it was yeah, really she just stops. It's really dramatic. In silence. She was yeah. good. Yeah. I'm not going to give her the performance of the episode. Oh, me either, but she was good. No, but I think she gets a special mention from yes, the jury. I mean, considering she was in the episode for, like, less than five minutes, she did a really good job. She did a memorable five minutes, and it wasn't just because of her puke green outfit. Um, and Kirk turns around and looks at his nephew and says, My brother's son. The gingerest kid ever. Mm-hmm. And Moses just says, I'll do everything I can. But the undertone there is, yeah, that kid's doomed. Well, there is some really sad eye acting in this, which I appreciate oh, yeah. deep in the core of my being. Everyone looks so sad. McCoy tries to look like both supportive but truthful and pessimistic at the same time. There's a lot of mm. eyeball acting going on right here. It's that slightly awkward thing that you don't quite know what to do when somebody has lost somebody. Yeah, there's no words. You're just yeah. kind of like, I want to be here for you, but I don't know what you need right now. So you communicate it with your sad eyes. So yep. Kirk sexily beams down all by himself to the stairs, which is my favorite shot of the episode. Again, this cast looks really good outside. It's true. The natural light just really works for them. Naturally, mm-hmm. it looks good on everybody. Ew. 
But he beams down onto the staircase of what looks like a football stadium. (laughs) (laughs) And he is going to go track down the rest of the landing party. And he thankfully goes through kind of a preamble. We're going to find something. Oh, yeah. By the way. Just wanted to mention before we head out, there's some kind of alien thing that is forcing people to do things. Okay, ready, team? Let's go! (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for preparing the group. Way to bury the lead. Mm -hmm. And so Uh, they hear this buzzing sound, which is definitely bees. We've heard a peculiar buzzing sound. It's definitely bees. They're definitely going to move towards it because that's what you do. Yep. We were about to check it out. That's a terrible idea. And although they do like phasers to kill. Yes. Thank you. I think that was very sensible of a decision. Mm-hmm. And so they head towards the. My note here just says, so yeah, that is some creepy goddamn buzzing. Let's walk towards it for it sure. Is. It is. I mean, we're, we're not Starfleet trained, so we obviously have feelings about that. And then they encounter the slime bats for the first time. Oh, the jelly eggs. <laughs> the world's most sinister fried eggs. <laughs> and they. They phaser one of them? Well, they start, they, they approach, and then they start Flapping. flying around. They, they can fly. They that, can fly. That was fucking awful. I was yeah. just like, holy I was shit, not they can fly. expecting that. I remembered the flying eggles because I remember... That is a really mean thing to say about eggles. <laughs> I hate eggs. I do not like the way they move. I do not like the way they taste. I do not like the way they present themselves on a plate. I thought these were more like sun-dried jellyfish. No. So I I remember, yeah, the way that they fly in this kind of gorgeous swoop. Whoever did the design on these things and also the puppetry. The animation sort of, Did a splendid job. Oh, they were (laughs) They just like on the end of fishing rods. I think think they were weighted artfully. Yeah. Yeah. I think they weighted on the bottom and then on a piece of fishing line they kind of swung it around. They just did that really (laughs) appropriate. It worked though. Those were creepy. And so they try to escape. Well, they shoot one. They shoot one. And it hits the ground. It can take a pounding, apparently. And they think, well, let's get out of here. And then one of them swoops over and lands on Spock's back. (laughs) Now, in a cut scene from the blooper reel, the time they did this is it flew over and landed on Nimoy's butt. And so they cut that because Nimoy broke because of course, of course he did. Okay, like I didn't even think this was this kind of show. <laughs> even with like how disgusting these things are, just the image of this thing flying over and landing on Spock's back was really amusing. It is very, very much so because then they go into this amazing mime action where yeah. he's writhing on the ground and Kirk tries to rip it off of him but can't. I would like to salute the mime work of these two gentlemen oh, right yeah. now. Yes, especially after he gets it off his good. back and tries to end his, like soothe his pain by manly cuddling. Oh, there is some oh very my god, he just like groping. gathers yep. him up into his yep. arms like he's dying in the war. And yep. then pause. Yeah, it was grand. Spock uh, wants to take it back to the ship. Kirk says, "Fuck no, let's get out of here." So this is essentially how it took over all the inhabitants. There's a puncture wound that goes in. And McCoy is kind of poking around. He's doing some surgery in his house coat. Apparently everyone has surgery house coats in this. And the anesthesia is wearing off mm-hmm. because he's in so much pain. So Chapel talks about how his readings are all weird because apparently she has them memorized. I believe that. Well, doesn't they say that they're weird for anybody, even, even Spock? Spock? Yeah. Yes. And McCoy says, okay... So I'm back up. We're done here. And she throws a bit of a fit saying, what? That's it? That's all you're going to do? Have you tried doctoring him? 
And McCoy <laughs> says either sh- be a nurse or get me a new one. Uh, I really wonder about their working relationship. <laughs> they shout at each other a lot, a lot and I imagine they drink when they're done. Do they have, do they have, like, tempestuous affairs? I think they're just drinking buddies. You sure? I'm pretty sure. She's pretty in love with Spock. Yeah. Yeah, but she's never going to have Spock. And if you can't have Spock, you could have McCoy. He's right there, and I think he's easy. (laughs) Yeah, but no. Really? No. No, DeForest Kelly was handsome. No. (gasps) I'm going to pretend we didn't hear that. Oh, we are definitely playing Mary Screw Throw Off a Cliff afterwards. Oh, Yep. So, let me just make a note of that. So easy. You know how this is gonna go. Okay, so, um, on the bridge, Bones has a jar of creepy jellyfish. Yeah, that he's he's pulled out of Spock. These are all through his nervous system. This is like, should he really be wandering through the ship carrying these, like, biohazard protocols? (laughs) I don't think it's even got a lid on it. (laughs) I think it does. (laughs) It's just like a glass jar full of water with these things in it. Where so, did these people go to school? <laughs> Starfleet Academy, oh, greatest training academy in space. Yeah, so he's like, I didn't fix it because these are all through his nervous system. There was tons still in there. Same with Peter. Um, and he says the invasion is too comprehensive for conventional surgery. Basically, they have no idea how to fix this. They're entwined. He just keeps saying, everyone is stumped. Yeah. <laughs> and Spock will have none of this. He has some really good face acting, going, mm, tossing mm, and turning. He's in mm, pain. Mm, People can't see your face acting. Yeah, they can hear my voice acting, though. We'll have to do a, we should do a video yeah. podcast one of these days so people can actually see your lovely expressions. God. Oh, stop. So Spock wakes up, jumps out of bed, and runs to the bridge. So he's still wearing his house coat. Mm-hmm. And she's still wearing her house coat. Tamara's on the bridge right now. Okay, yes. And she says, oh, Mr. Spock! And Spock is on deck despite the fact that he is possessed by a jellyfish. And it takes six and people to tackle there him. There is no security on the bridge. No. Nope. No one has a phaser. Spock, who is super hu- has superhuman strength, tries to take over the ship. Yep. Takes six it takes, people to stop him. Yeah. I kind of liked the fight scene and that it actually did take so many people to, to, to bring yeah. Spock down. I, I really kind of like that. And that, like, he try, Spock at one point tries to nerve pinch yes. Kirk. And Kirk yeah. has a solution of, like, I'm just going to lift my shoulder up <laughs> near my ear so you can't get it. <laughs> you have to figure that, that definitely Kirk, probably also Bones, is like, I'm always going to guess that Spock will go for the nerve pinch if we ever had to It's fight. kind of his go-to move. Yeah. And I like I like to imagine that, like, there's a stream of defense fighting against Vulcan that mostly involves putting your, your shoulders, shoulders up against your ears. <laughs> and then rotating around like Batman. <laughs> so Chapel does something useful in that she shows up with a hyperspray. Oh yeah, because she basically like noticed Falk was gone, grabs a hyperspray, passed way out. But instead of, like, instead of like doing anything else, she grabs a hyperspray and runs after him because she's maybe 40 seconds behind him. So... Yeah, they restrain him, and then he says, Oh, sorry about my temporary weakness when I tried to take over your ship, but I'm better now. Yeah. What? This this was crazy. Like, I get what they were trying to do with, like, he's a Vulcan, he can suppress his emotions, pain can be controlled through meditation, etc., etc. the mind killer. Yeah, but, like, you're not okay to be... mind killer. 
I was making a very clever illusion, Ari. Yeah, Ari. Get with eh. the program. Yeah, but he's 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 clearly very forcibly controlling himself. He says, you will, these restraints will no longer be necessary. He's lying there in, like, the sick bay bed, strapped down at the arms. That's because he tried to take over the yeah. ship. Yeah, I'm fine now. I simply did not understand. That's not a reassuring As, line. Spark. Okay, everybody brace yourselves. Yes, Kim. Kirk makes a good call here. Yeah, he does. He, he does. Are you kidding no, me, Cam? No, because he, he says, Spock's like, I'm fine now. You can let me go. And Kirk says, let's just wait and see. And we'll keep you tied up for a bit until we're sure. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, he made a good decision. And then Spock says those three magic words, which we heard in City on the Edge of Forever, let me help. And Kirk is apparently powerless against that. <laughs> those are his safe words. Because he immediately breaks down and says, I need you, Spock. Um, I love you. Uh, I don't Implied, care. not spoken. Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't care what it takes or what it costs. Deep question mark. There's no money left here. I Maybe. don't think they mean literal money. Man hours, Resources. emotional exhaustion. Deaths. Oh, yes, yes. Possibly. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, especially given what he says later. Um, and he asked Bones, if my nephew wakes up, will he go through that? Because earlier he was Yeah, they're like, in terrible pain. Yeah, incredible in pain. Terrible pain. Bones this, says, no wonder the poor devils go mad. Yeah, this is, um, this is one thing that I really like, is this is the first time in the episode that Kirk actually calls Peter my nephew. Yeah. Up until this point, it has been, you know, my brother's boy. Yeah. My brother's son, that sort of thing. And this is the first time I think that Kirk is allowing himself the emotional connection with the nephew. Yeah, and then the second I, he does. Which I really liked. Yeah. Bones turns around and bites his head off. You know, there's a million colonists down on that planet. McCoy needs to back off. I think everybody needs to back off of everyone in this episode. Like, I get where McCoy was coming from and that he's really concerned about saving as many people as possible. But, like... Let the man have a moment to be upset about his dead brother. Just one selfish moment a year. Give him another 12 seconds. Yes. So, again... Spock does some mantras. The Enterprise needs to do a full (laughs) top-to-bottom review of their security, starting from the restraints that they use (laughs) on their hospital beds, going all the way up to who is allowed on the bridge at what time. Because Spock essentially just looks at the security restraints, and then they disintegrate. Well, first he does some some chanting. Yeah. I'm a Vulcan. There is no pain. I'm a Vulcan. There is no pain. And he just, like, flexes his big sexy yeah. muscles. Oh. Pops them. I don't know what <laughs> No, he's a beanpole, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. He's disproportionately so, powerful muscles. He zips over to the transporter room where... The Where poor, he is immediately caught. The poor, poor another transporter tech. transporter intern <laughs> gets down for the count. But thankfully, Scotty is the canniest person on the oh, yes. entire Enterprise. This is, yeah. like, I had that moment before when I thought Ahura was amazing. This is Scotty's time to shine. He is the badass. Yeah, this is because amazing. he's prepared for this. So, like the transporter intern who's standing. I actually know he wasn't. Scotty was closest to the door. And he turns and he says, uh, Mr. Spock, you're not supposed to be here. Spock just grabs him by the scruff of the neck and throws him across the room. And Karate chops the intern. Yes, he karate chops him. And he turns around and Scotty's got a phaser on him. <laughs> Which, okay, 
in a little bit of nice business later on when we get a when when, a little further into the scene when the little transporter intern is up. He spends the entire time rubbing his shoulder. (laughs) It's a tough job. Well, that's because they keep getting killed. Yeah. At least, this one, at least this one wasn't doing maintenance with his back to the door. Yeah. So true. So Spock orders him, orders Scotty, yeah. who's the only conscious one left in the room, to beam him down. Scotty's like, uh, no. Scotty doesn't follow orders from no one no, that he doesn't usually see the need for. No. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to run that by the captain. And, so and the captain strolls in. Yeah. Wait, did I? I thought I gave you an order. And... Spock says, pain is discontinued by me. Well, actually, he's in the sort same of, way, in the yeah. same way that Cromwell said, and Christmas is canceled <laughs> by me. Well, he says, he says, I thought I told you to stay put. And Spock says, yeah, until the pain was gone. And yet at the same time, Spock is swaying around like a drunken yeah. sailor. I'm like, you are not fine, dude. Yeah. Go back to bed. Controversial statement. I think McCoy is a terrible doctor. <laughs> I know, agree. <laughs> he's really not that good. He is. And, and so they're trying to decide whether to let Spock go down to the planet and capture one of the creatures so they can analyze it. And McCoy says, I don't want patients running around. I want them in bed. McCoy, he is dead. He is a dead man walking. He is a ghost at this point. He is going to die because you can't do anything about it. What will him being in bed, what purpose will that serve when he can actually go out and do something? Well, it's his job, I guess. He doesn't do a very good job of it. He's a ship's doctor. Well, I don't know. Not Sometimes me. they're very obsessed with the protocols. But, yeah, so they let him go down. Uh, in the hallway, Bones yells at Kirk. <laughs> and Kirk just sort of shrugs. As he should. McCoy doesn't know what he's talking about. So back on the planet, um, Spock is a- attacked with a man who has a giant Quidditch hoop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wrote a giant eye hook, but that's good, too. Yeah, yeah. And... He, of course, nerve pinches them. And I had a bit of a question. Like, why not teach everyone how to nerve pinch? I think it's a psychic thing. I don't think no, humans can do it. No, it's think, a nerve. I think it's um, the amount of strength it takes to do it. Uh, okay. Like, the Vulcan have In the a very extra strength. Way. Yes. Does Kirk nerve pinch someone at some point? Data um, does. Data, I think. Spock teaches him how to do it. In the uh, episode, in the episode where he's like, um, they're undercover as Romulans. They're undercover He teaches. Really? Yeah, he Undercover Brothers? <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, Spock teaches Data how to do it. I don't remember that. But that's the only to... time I ever remember seeing anybody who isn't a Vulcan do it. It's a Vulcan thing. It's a Vulcan thing. I think it's I think it's a strength thing. Okay, so he does this in front of a horrid mosaic wall. <laughs> Which is another Lord. reason that it was made it me even think... mosaic? No, it's the yes, other it reason that made me think this was Arthur Erickson design, because there are definitely that oh, yeah, kind so of many tiles. mosaic walls at yeah. SFU. So at this point, I would just like to point out how much public art is in this place. Oh, so much. Planners deserve to go crazy. And then he stu- he follows the buzzing. They are somehow the grosser and more revolting in this scene than they were in the last one. I feel one. like because you can almost smell them in this oh, scene. God, they've done a lot of close-ups and they're like pulsating and breathing. <sighs> and breathing. Oh, yeah. stop making that noise! So, which stop one to choose? Which one to choose? And so he zoops one and it flops with a sound that will haunt me until the day <laughs> I die. Like a sad penguin on the ground. And uh, Spock picks it up and puts it in a box with hilariously futuristic plastic tongs. Yes. <laughs> I love the plastic tongs. Yes. They were great. At which point I started thinking about it as like a microwaved pizza or a pizza that had been left too long in the fridge and turned into a liquid. I can't quite decide. There are so many revolting so possibilities. Many things. And so it is revealed that it is a one cell 
one brain cell? It's one they small actually, brain thing? They said, uh, they're like, it's basically like a single-celled organism. And yeah. It's mostly like a brain cell. But it's part of one huge Part of one organism. huge organism. So this is the first yeah. thing we've ever seen. They're all connected. They're all essentially one cell of something much bigger. Yep. This plot point is presented and, and then, then immediately dropped. Yeah. When, while Spock is uh, explaining this, like doing this info dump, Bones is sneak scanning him from behind his back. Yes. Uh, yeah, because he's still far from fine. And so... Kirk actually intuits, because Spock sort of starts explaining, and then Kirk intuits the rest of it. And Kirk, Spock's like, yeah, you, you did that. Kirk uses his sexy brain to figure out, okay, when we were watching that guy fly into the sun, at the very end he exclaimed that he was free. So yeah. maybe it has something to do with the intense heat or the radiation of the sun that causes these things to die. Mm-hmm. So, there. I thought for a moment... Can we get, that, like, two or three groups of people studying the pancake in the space microscope? We get uh, Spock, of course, and then we get Chapel and Bones, because they've been trying to kill it with radiation and heat, that were like the son of Deneva. Um, and, he's, and Kirk is really pissed at this point, because I think this is supposed to be like, there's some time that has gone by. He's like, we have 14 science labs in the ship and the finest equipment in the galaxy, and Bones is basically like, you need to chill. Well, it is kind of a race against time because these cells force the people to build ships so that they, they can spread. go on to another planet. And if they can't find a way to kill these things, Kirk is also duty-bound to not let these spread across the galaxy. Like, even if it means destroying the million people down on that mm -hmm. planet, which yeah. of course he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Um, now, if this had been a, maybe a slightly better written episode that, and, you know, Star Trek was allowed to remember stuff that had happened in past episodes, I thought this might have been a really interesting place to keep looking more at Kirk's feelings about the massacre on the planet where he is. Yeah. And yeah. have him, because, I mean, he's he's trying to avoid being put into the position where he will have to decide to murder an entire planet full of people for survival, basically to allow other people to survive. Ooh, it's a or, really, it would have been a really, I think this would have been a really good place to, and it's also, this is why I was thinking earlier when I said, you know, stuff that only comes up in one episode and is never yeah, mentioned yeah. again. That's one of these things that I thought this would have tied back in so well. Especially to, and, and it also looks at stuff about like his childhood and that could tie in with his relationship with his family. And we have mm -hmm. his brother on this planet mm -hmm. in a better written show. Yeah. That would have been brought back in and tied in with this idea. And that Kirk had is mentioned again. Everything Kirk is doing is to prevent him having to say, kill everybody on the planet so the rest of the galaxy will survive. And the driving force of him joining Starfleet and becoming a captain was that he wanted to protect to people. Protect people and prevent himself from becoming that monster or allowing those monsters to live and he's put into yeah. a position where he is the, the monster, monster now. Yeah. He had he's for faced with an impossible decision. We also could have had a subplot where Sam was probably on that planet with him. It's entirely possible, but yeah. he was 13 no, years old. No, Sam can also be dead. Yeah. Sam is still dead. He was not on this planet. But he could It makes it more tragic if he's yeah. a dead brother. Yeah, I but, agree. Yeah. The but only yeah. person who shared that experience with him, like all these yeah. ties to his past are slowly being eroded away. I think that we really want to emphasize that he is alone in dealing with this decision. Mm -hmm. Maybe throw maybe his brother can be alive and on the planet. I'm all right with that too. Yeah. And that he has to kill his brother too. Well, yeah. I mean, because when, mm -hmm. yeah, when you look at it, like if that's sort of what it, I mean, it's a really awful situation, but with Kodos the Executioner, it came yes. down to... We don't actually... I'm going to kill half the population so everybody else can survive. The bad half. So we yeah. never actually understand exactly why Sam died. Was it just that they were resisting? 
so hard. I think that eventually it just taps you out. Well, well, also his wife was in the middle of like trying to block them from coming in the house. So maybe they yeah. were actually fighting against it. And yeah. we saw her when she was fighting against it, trying to give them the information. Yeah, because what actually what seems to kill her. Hastened her death. Yeah. 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 Kim, I really like the episode that you're building here. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, that's so good. Because this ethical dilemma that he's faced with, like, kill a million, save the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's nothing else you can do because they're going to keep forcing the people to build ships and they're going to keep trying to escape. Yes. Although I feel like there were a bunch of steps Starfleet could have taken before that one. But no one here understands quarantine, so... But one of the other things that I also liked from earlier that we passed by... Um, is when Kirk is telling Bones, you know, do whatever it costs to save Spock and save my nephew. Mm-hmm. And that's when Bones, he expands it to like, what about the other million people on the mm-hmm. planet? And it would have been, you know, Kirk trying to avoid thinking about the decision and just narrowing it down to the two people that he cared about mm-hmm. that were in front of him. And this is a stepping stone. And even if I can just do this small thing, you know, I, there's a really good episode, like a really good emotional episode of like modern day television buried in here. I agree. I very, very much That's true of almost every episode of original series. But I really like the idea of having a through line for Kirk's character development. Like using that incident in his childhood, using the fact that he had a very difficult time at Starfleet, noticing from his Irish stereotypical um, bully. Bully. Happy St. Patrick's Day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And Kind of having that as his driving force to protect people and that it's very hard for him to be in situations where he can't, where it's out of his hands. Oh, yeah. I think I just like the idea of there being character development. Yeah, yeah we ask for a lot. <laughs> yeah. We so do. they have a meeting uh, where, Bo- where Bones is basically like, so this killing a million people thing sounds nuts. Yeah. And Kirk's like, I agree, we need an alternative. Because at this point, he's like, I really don't want to do this, and I'm going to continue acting as though I'm not willing to do this until the last possible second. Kirk does what he does best, is that he says, okay, there's option A and option B. No, just give me another option. And that's, that is... It's very captivating. If we're, if we're talking about Kirk's character, it, it's that. That's yeah. why he beat the Kobayashi Maru. I is don't that believe he, in the no instinct. Exactly, yeah. he just doesn't believe in it. Um, but of course they can't come up with anything. And Spock basically goes to Kirk and he's like, so, um, we're stumped. We're not going to find an answer. I want to go back down to the planet and take your nephew with me. And Kirk says, denied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So (laughs) Kirk's like, something in that sun killed that thing before the guy died. All they've tried is radiation and heat. I am not a scientist. (laughs) But I can think of a bunch of other metrics and characteristics of stars that are neither of those things. It does make them look a little dumb. It yeah. does. You are you are basically astronauts. You should know lots of shit about stars. Well, what does the sun do? It shines. Yeah. It provides us with light by which we see during the day. It is kind of its big primary function. <laughs> like, <'Cause> actually, <laughs> considering how much you how much better you think they look in the sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> It just occurred to me. <laughs> I just wrote down spectrum in all caps, like two paragraphs. Yeah, so they decide to bring the sun to Dagobah. Yeah. Satellites, Versus, blah, blah, blah. What if it's orange. just the brightness? No, I have to note this because I have a problem. Uh, Kirk's like, what if it's just the brightness? It's definitely not that. Because um, the, the pancake things, they hide in the shadows. And Spock says, oh, that's cool. We have satellites. We could shine light on the surface. So they mm-hmm. test it. 
<laughs> I love everybody's space goggles. Space goggles. Which, why do you have a, s- a separate science room that doesn't have a window if you then also need to wear goggles? Okay, I would also like to interject that they say, with the satellites, it will work. Even if someone is in a closed, dark room, they will be affected by it, too. No, they won't. Well, I don't think that's how light... Again, not how I'm light no scientist. <laughs> but it, it, it is not. So that they is put, not how light works at no. all. So they put the pancake in the science room. Yeah. And they shut the science room door. Yeah. Everyone, for no reason at all, dons masks. I don't know they why they have to shine the light. And good. Sure, sure. Space goggles. Um, it works. The pancake is dead. Yeah, dead pancake. But Kirk's like, it worked. But on a, on a, on a an unprotected pancake in a lab... How do we do that on the planet? What about the infected people? Will it work the same? Basically, this is leading up to, we need to test it on an infected person. And um, guess who volunteers? Of course Spock does. Of course Spock does. And McCoy puts <laughs> no. the gasket yeah. because Spock is the best first officer in the fleet. Not that he likes him or anything. Definitely not. Cried a little of this. Yeah. I will also interject with, again, the disclaimer, I am no scientist. But. Oh, yes. Why not just lead up to a million candles per square feet. Like, incrementally. Like, you don't know that it's all the candles you have to do. Why not start with 50 and then work your way up until it's done? There's no need to blind anyone. I have another objection. Yes. Um, Because they they do this. Spock refuses goggles because there will be none on the planet's surface. You can't just close your eyes. That's not my objection, but that is an objection. He does close his eyes. But he doesn't start out with his eyes closed. He waves the whole light to beat on him and then closes them. Um... Goes in the science room, they turn on the lights. Afterwards, he says he's fine, the creature is dead, except he's also blind. Oh, Whoops! It's, fair it's, trade. Oh, no, no, no. There's yeah. a great... This, this whole scene is amazing. <laughs> so, they shine, shine a light, and then they open the door, and he looks, he looks off into the distance. He says, you know, I am free. And then he tries to take a few steps forward, and he stumbles, stumbles into a desk. And I am also quite blind. That is like Little House on the Prairie levels of fucking yeah. drama. Mary's blind. <laughs> yeah. So Love it! And then Kirk just grabs him like his only lifeline and maneuvers him down into a chair. Yeah. And Spock so, says it's an equitable trade. Oh. Yeah. Now, here is a thing where no one knows how to use proper experimental procedure because in between killing the pancake and trying it out on Spock, Chapel took the test results away to look at them. You know, like you do in the real world. You test it on a mouse, and then after a million years, you have clinical trials. Except they jump the gun a little bit and try it on Spock too fast, because about five seconds after, uh, they blind Spock, possibly forever, <laughs> Chapel comes running back in with a report that she seems to have just done as matter of normal policy that they completely ignored, and says... Oh, we didn't need to throw the whole spectrum of light at the thing. We only needed one wavelength of light. Take five minutes, kids. It's not as if they were in some huge hurry. Like, the planet isn't going anywhere, and they can shoot anything that tries to jump off the planet. So take the five seconds, wait for the results to come back, and then govern yourselves accordingly from there. But essentially, like, everyone just has this hard-on to blind Spock. (laughs) Kirk is furious. Bones is Gutted. Oh my gosh. You're both idiots. So um, good. And Spock is all stoic, like, oh, we couldn't have known it was for the best. And it was Kirk equally says, my terrible idea. I cannot handle these emotions. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> no, what he says is, he sort of, his face goes through all of these different emotions and he sort of holds up his hand in between the two of them because you're not really sure if he's going to, like, pat Spock on the shoulder 
or throttle or comfort Bones. And he sort of like, Bones, just take care of him. And he just he flounces, flounces out. out. So they throw the satellites up and they're going to shine a light on stuff. Okay, here's my objection. They're going to use ultraviolet light. Sure. Now, that goes through walls. Is anybody else worried about, like, octupling the amount of UV radiation on the planet's surface? No. UV no. radiation is bad for you. It's yeah. very bad for you. It is, in fact, one of the things in sunlight that can cause blindness. Here is a list of the harmful effects of UV radiation. <laughs> You got angry at me for platinum facts. <laughs> I wasn't angry. I'm just saying this is fair. Well, Sunburn. Do we have facts music? <laughs> sure. No. no. <laughs> Sunburn. Premature aging of the skin. Starting for least effective the most. Suppression of the immune system. Uh, skin cancer. And oh yeah, eye damage, including corneal damage, cataract, macular degeneration, and something called intraocular melanoma, which is skin cancer in your eye. And thanks to this episode, I now fear UV radiation even more than I did before. But that's like... A lot of it. This is like 100 times the normal amount of UV radiation that they are blasting down at the planet. For for like 30 seconds. They're not doing it sustained for like six years. I think everybody will be fine and just wear sunscreen for the rest of their lives. I'm pretty sure this is enough to kill people. Or just look like sexily rugged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they know that the uh, satellites are ready because Scotty tells them without looking at a console or anything. These satellites are, like, worse than Babylon 5 levels of CG. In the non-remastered version, you don't see there them. are no satellites. No, you just get told about them. Scotty just intuits that they're ready. I think that Scotty may have a psychic connection with the ship. I believe That's that. That's the only thing that I absolutely <laughs> believe that. And so they beam all this UV radiation down that will be absolutely fine for everyone. And the booger bats start to catch on fire and melt. And they make a noise like me in the morning after I've just taken a shower and I'm trying to put on my pantyhose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a glimpse into my life that maybe you didn't need. So it's definitely working. It also works in the dark. Apparently. And uh, Bones comes onto the bridge to be like, oh, isn't it great that it's working? I'm the worst doctor ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, this part here, I really liked. There was a very tight close-up on Kirk. Mm. And it was a very, very intimate shot. Mm. Get your mind out of the gutter. Emotionally <laughs> intimate, you perv. Um, because it... There was no other bit of the ship. It wasn't about Kirk as a captain. It was a moment of him as a person. Mm. Um, and he was dealing with the emotions surrounding Spock's blindness and how upset Bones was and that Bones was refusing to talk to him in this, mm-hmm. in this moment. And I loved this bit. It was a great emotional beat for both actors. Yeah. He says, it wasn't your fault, Bones. Mm-hmm. Bones and Bo- Bones, who is gives- sitting at his desk in sick bay, probably about to start drinking. He just gives him silence. Silence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was it was fantastic. Yeah, totally erased by the yeah. fact that Wendell <laughs> jump forward in time. It's not a jump forward in time. He immediately burst through the bridge again. This yeah. time, not to take over the ship, but to crow about the fact that Vulcan has some better. kind of. Other island? Inner island, because oh. a Vulcan's sun is much brighter than Earth. Okay, question. Yes, <laughs> Did Jim. Spock forget about this part of his anatomy? Well, he says they usually ignore it. 
I still know about my appendix. Yeah. Don't you? You are aware of an appendix? I'm you? aware that I have one. Yeah. I know that I know that I that there are symptoms to watch out for in case it should ever become inflamed and yeah. needs to be removed. But Spock just forgot that he had another eyelid that protected him from like that he probably used when he was a child living on Vulcan. <laughs> I'm sorry, this was fucking dumb. This was the worst god <laughs> in the worst box. <laughs> It was so like a, in the box that you forgot the box was there. The god in the eyelid. Yeah. <laughs> Deus ex ocula. Oh. Oh. oh! That's very good. I'm pretty proud. I'm pretty proud. You should be very, very oh, proud of yourself. So we have to end on a quip off because, because, because. Of course, just to make Kim mm. mad. It is. And Kirk's like, he sidles up to him saying, shouldn't you feel emotions about being blind? And Spock says, yes, I saw McCoy's face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On the contrary, Captain, I had a very strong reaction. The first thing I saw was Dr. McCoy's face. And we're off to Starbase 10. Oh. And McCoy says, we don't tell Spock. I thought he was the best yeah. first officer. Pinky swear, never tell. But of course, <laughs> he, Spock he appears. <laughs> you forgot. You worried about his Vulcan eyes. You should have been worried about his Vulcan ears. And How do you forget about those ears? I don't. They're really pointy. And he does remark upon them a, a lot. lot. Yep. Yeah. Like, okay, this was really dumb. Agreed. But, like, Kurt, like Spock literally made a your face joke. Yeah, he did. What's wrong? Your face. <laughs> and for all of its faults, of which there are many. Yeah. So many. Really enjoyed this. I did yeah. enjoy this. Yeah. I think this is kind of a point where they're really hitting the emotional friendship stride. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what makes this show better and rises it above all the kind of 1960s schlock out there is that strong emotional core to it plus socialism yes well i think the one informs the other sure sure um so deaths uh two people died plus three or four civilizations (laughs) (laughs) plus all the little snot boogers i don't count them well that's only one brain part that's only one remember and it, here's the thing they didn't actually kill the hive mind so it's just a, this chunk of it yeah so it's so entirely it's, possible I really do want to know where that uh, omitted space brain is hanging out because I would like to avoid that part of space I do not oh it's on Starship Troopers <gasps> I love Starship Troopers no. I'm glad someone did uh, Ari uh, seven ladies eight people of color there are a lot of ladies. There are a lot a of ladies. Of like when you go up onto the bridge, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, a scene where ladies. there are um, like four ladies on the bridge at a time. There's, I know there was one scene where there was one lady in every single color yeah. of mini dress. I don't think that we actually had very many scenes in this where there were no ladies. There's a couple sort of in-between bits where they're going from place to place. But every major like key scene in this has at least one lady in it. Most of it has two. Yeah. I was really surprised. Kim, life lesson of this episode. Know your anatomy. Uh, Ari? Uh, Don't go over a year without talking to your family members because they might be taken over by a symbiotic giant space brain. And you won't know. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That does not bode well for me. (laughs) I I have some phone calls to make after this podcast. Have you talked to your brother recently? I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we did text him not that long ago, you guys, to ask him inappropriate. That was, my mom. That was, my that mom. was your mom. Okay. Yeah, you should be My brother is apparently life. possessed by an evil space monster. Yeah. <laughs> I think my life lesson from this is that feelings are awful and to be avoided. <laughs> Oh no! Oh. Feeling feelings are awful, and you should roll in them and just like savor them and feel sad. <laughs> uh, wow. Performance of the wow. episode, Kim. Uh, I am giving a three-way tie <gasps> to Shatner, Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly. Oh, I'm giving it a like a trio. Well a done, threesome. sirs. Yeah, well done, well done, sirs. Bravo. All right, Ari. I am actually giving it to Aurelin. Who? <laughs> Kirk's sister-in-law. Oh, you mean Aurelia. Yeah. Aurelian. On Dagobah. <sighs> Go to Dagobah. Go to Dagobah. Uh, I'm going to give my performance of the episode... I'm going to give it to DeForest Kelly. Ooh. Not for any of his acting that he did with his mouth. <laughs> Just the face business. Just the face where he's sitting in his office all alone with Kirk's voice on the radio calling Bones. 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 And just the oh. total devastation written all over his face, knowing that he has blinded and ruined the life of a fine officer and a fine friend. See, isn't the emotional part so good? Ugh. Can we just go back to space drugs? No. Jeez. Mm. Well, that wraps up season, season one. one. Oh, yeah. wow. So thank you for coming with us on this voyage. These I'm, voyages. I am impressed with us that we have remained this committed. Me too. <laughs> As should you, and you should show that by rating and review us on iTunes. See what I did there. Very yes, clever. I did. You're welcome. Or your podcasting network of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should be doing iTunes iTunes? Yeah. Well, there is, at some point in the reasonably near future, there is going to be a Google Music podcast thing but it isn't out yet we're on there though we will be on there itunes itunes and we hope that you will join us for season two yay season two yeah so, uh, where we get uh pavel chekhov <gasps> chekhov yeah exactly oh he's such a puppy i'm excited for chekhov's guns if you know <laughs> what i mean oh 